Hello, hello. Welcome to this week's episode of the Changing Birth podcast. I hope you guys are all having a wonderful week. I just wanted to say a huge thank you before we get started to everyone who does listen in each fortnight. I have so many of you message me on Instagram and Facebook telling me how much you find the podcast helpful and the little ways that it has helped you on your journey or with your birth or with your postpartum experience. And that's exactly why I created this podcast, because I felt like there was such a need for more support for women and more information and more just discussions on things and chatting about the realities of pregnancy and birth and postpartum life. So I'm really glad that the podcast resonates with you guys and I really enjoy recording these um, episodes. So let's get into today's episode. Today I'm going to be chatting all things around breastfeeding and some of my top tips. As I'm sure many of you will know, especially if you've listened to this podcast for a while, I am a board certified lactation consultant as well as working as a midwife. I'm currently on maternity leave, of course, but a lot of my work over the last few years has been supporting women and families on their breastfeeding journey. And Although as a lactation consultant, we are qualified to work with women and clients at any stage of their breastfeeding journey, I found that I was predominantly working with clients within that first six to eight weeks after their baby was born. And that's what I'm going to focus on a little bit in today's episode around how we can really get breastfeeding off to a great start. So before we get into it, I just want to highlight that although breastfeeding might be natural, it isn't always easy. And I just want to acknowledge for anyone that might be listening who maybe had a challenging breastfeeding journey or it didn't really go how you were hoping or maybe you needed to or or stopped breastfeeding before you were hoping to, I just want to acknowledge that I see you and I see how hard it is and I see the challenges that my clients are working with all the time and it is often really tough and I think there is a real lack of support for a lot of people. We also have a lot of birth interventions, which we know can impact breastfeeding as well. So I feel like in some ways, or in many ways, we don't really set women up to succeed with breastfeeding, even all the societal sort of pressure to get back to things and keep running your household and all of that kind of stuff. Um, You know, it doesn't make breastfeeding easy for people and it doesn't really support the biology of breastfeeding or how it is meant to be. So yeah, I just want to acknowledge that if your breastfeeding journey hasn't gone as you had hoped. Um, Then I know sometimes hearing about breastfeeding and hearing some of the tips and things like that can be a little bit triggering, but any amount of breast milk that a baby receives is beneficial. Even just one drop of breast milk has so many incredible properties to it. And no matter how long you breastfed your baby for, that's still a massive achievement, something that you should be proud of and will still have benefits for your baby. So in today's episode, I'm going to be sharing my top five tips for breastfeeding, and I hope that this helps you on your journey. So my first tip, tip number one, is to start preparing for breastfeeding before your baby arrives. Learn as much as you can. Like I said, although breastfeeding is a natural process, it's a biological process in our body, it also involves a lot of new skills and it's also a very steep learning curve when you're in those first few days and those first few weeks with your new little baby who is going to be feeding 
really regularly. And we often joke about how, uh, well, not joke, that's probably not the right term, but we talk about how um, breastfeeding is like sitting an exam without doing any study, right? Because you're just sort of thrown into it. You know, your baby goes from being in the womb where they receive all the nutrients and everything just happens on demand as it's meant to through the umbilical cord and through the placenta. And then they're born and then we need to feed them. And that's when our brain can kind of click into it as well. So learning as much as you can is so important. There is lots of information out there and I 100% believe that it is easier to learn that stuff while you're still pregnant than trying to learn it for the first time in those first few weeks. Now, of course, breastfeeding is different. Even when I'm doing demonstrations with um, a crochet breast and a baby, I know that that's very different to a real life baby that's crying and wriggling around and maybe turning their head and, um, you know, all of those things that are kind of going on. So I totally understand that breastfeeding education is not the same as, as the real deal. And I do acknowledge that. But if we can start to lay down some of those neural pathways and get familiar with some of those key concepts around breastfeeding, then that is going to help that to be more familiar afterwards. So for example, learning about different breastfeeding positions or learning about the best way to ensure a baby has a really good attachment to the breast and a large amount of breast tissue in their mouth, if we can learn about that stuff before, then you've got the basics. You've got the basics in your brain. You've got that understanding. So then after your baby's born, maybe if your midwife's going through something with you or a lactation consultant, you can think, oh, yep, this is familiar. I remember that we've gone over this and it's just easier. Now, it just makes it easier. And I'm all for anything at all that can make things easier in that postpartum time. So how do you start building this knowledge? What kind of things do you want to learn about? So what I think is important is around learning around what's normal with breastfeeding. How often will a baby feed? How do we know if they've got a good attachment? What are some of those different positions? What are the pros and cons of those positions? Even other things like how do I know my baby's getting enough milk? What are some signs that feeding is going well? What are some sort of red flags to look for? Learning about nipple pain and how we can prevent that and preventing nipple damage. And yeah, just really understanding as much as we can around breastfeeding and what to expect. So there's lots of places where you can get started with this. Your hospital may offer a breastfeeding class, which can be a good option to go to. The Australian Breastfeeding Association website also has some really fantastic articles and different resources. I also have my online positive breastfeeding and postpartum course. So that goes into all of those topics that we just talked through, but then also around postpartum recovery, nutrition, taking care of yourself, partner support, all those kind of things, because I think that that is so important as well in that postnatal period. So I will pop that in the show notes as well, the link to that course, if you do want to check it out. Alrighty, on to tip number two. So my next tip is around skin to skin. Again, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that I will talk about skin to skin quite a bit, but skin to skin has so many benefits and it's one of the big first steps that we can take to supporting a successful breastfeeding journey. So skin to skin means having your baby placed naked on your chest after birth. So no clothes on them or clothes on you or bra or anything like that. Um, Sometimes we'll have a nappy on baby, but we just want to be aiming for as much skin to skin contact as possible. And we know that this has lots of benefits for a baby. So it helps to regulate their breathing It helps them to maintain their blood sugar levels or their blood glucose levels. Uh, It can 
uh, help them to be more calm. It can help to keep them warm. So it has so many benefits, can lower cortisol in their body and things like that. So it's pretty amazing. But we also know that there's some incredible benefits for breastfeeding. And so when we place a baby skin to skin after the birth, that is the best place for them to be from a breastfeeding perspective and also from supporting their transition to newborn life. So often when babies are placed skin to skin, that helps to support some of their breastfeeding reflexes, which helps them to then feed and attach well to the breast. So a lot of babies, when they're placed skin to skin, they'll do the breast crawl If you haven't heard of this before, you can have a look online, have a look on YouTube. Um, The breast call is is where babies go through quite a few different steps where they push off with their feet and they almost sort of commando crawl over to the breast before latching on. And most babies will do this if we give them enough time. Occasionally, babies might be a little bit drowsy uh, or there may be um, some impact of different maternal medications from the birth. So I can't guarantee that all babies will do the breast crawl, but most babies will when they are placed skin to skin. So what I recommend is to have immediate skin to skin after birth for at least one to two hours or until the first breastfeed is completed. And that's something that I think is really important because sometimes we do an hour of skin to skin. And I often work with mums who have in their birth plan that they want to have an hour of skin to skin, which is great. I think that's a fantastic start. But what sometimes happens is we have that hour of skin to skin. Babies may be starting to show signs that they might be ready to feed. And then we take them off to weigh them and to measure them and maybe pop some clothes on them and then bring them back to feed. And this just disrupts those reflexes and that normal biological process. So what I talk to my clients about is putting in their birth plan or their birth preferences and what's in the template in my online hypnobirthing course is around having skin to skin for at least one hour or until the first breastfeed is completed. So that's sometimes a way that you can word that. The other thing I want you to remember about skin to skin is that the benefits are not just for this immediate postpartum period in those first, you know, one, two, three hours after the birth. Skin to skin has ongoing benefits, even in the weeks and the months after your baby's born, especially in those first few days, even the first few weeks. And especially if you're having any breastfeeding challenges, I would encourage you to have as much skin to skin as possible. Of course, your rest is important and it's important to um, have naps and all of that kind of thing as well. But if you are awake and maybe you're holding your baby, maybe just take the opportunity to do a little bit of skin to skin. And I would definitely recommend skin to skin when feeding in that first couple of days or the first couple of weeks, depending on how feeding is going, because we want to be triggering those reflexes in a baby and that's going to help them attach better to the breast. This is the thing with breastfeeding. Sometimes we can't overcomplicate it, but I think Often we look for this quick fix, like we look for the perfect position to hold a baby in that will mean they get a perfect latch or um, the perfect position that will solve all nipple pain or nipple damage. Whereas the reality is that it often is about going back to those basics, trusting a baby's instincts, getting them to really work with their normal reflexes, which I think often gets forgotten and gets a little bit overlooked. So that's one thing where skin to skin can just almost reset things with a mum and a baby, especially if they are having some breastfeeding challenges. It can be something that can, yeah, just really help to get their breastfeeding journey back on track. Uh, And of course, there's many factors that affect breastfeeding issues, um, but skin to skin is something that I will use a lot with clients to help get those hormones, those instincts, those reflexes back on track. 
And just while we're on the topic of skin to skin, I often have dads who say to me, can I do skin to skin as well? And I would say absolutely. Yes, we know skin to skin with dads and partners can be so beneficial. But what I would just suggest is especially for that skin to skin after the birth to do it with mum, especially if she is planning on breastfeeding for that first hour or until the first breastfeed make sure that we're allowing all those reflexes to work and mum and baby to have that skin to skin. This is also important for mum's body in helping to trigger the oxytocin, which helps to birth the placenta as well. So having baby skin to skin is really the biological norm and really where they're designed to be afterwards, unless there's a medical reason why we can't be doing skin to skin. However, um, after that first feed, then yes, absolutely skin to skin with partners can be great. Or if for whatever reason, mum can't have skin to skin, if she's quite unwell or she's not feeling up to it, then absolutely skin to skin with dads or with partners is that that next best option at that point. Alrighty, tip number three is around getting a good attachment. So I know that this sounds very cliche and it sounds very simple, but remember that it is called breastfeeding, not nipple feeding right? And that's because we want baby to be attached onto the breast, not just sitting on the nipple. When a baby has a shallow latch or a shallow attachment and their lips are just sitting on the nipple or sitting around the nipple, or they're just, um, almost people will, will say that their baby's just sucking on the nipple. They've got a really small mouth. They don't have a wide open mouth. We know that that can affect quite a few things with breastfeeding. So the main one is that it is going to affect the ability for baby to actually transfer the milk out of the breast to create a good seal at the breast so that they can then transfer the amount of milk that they're designed to each feed. It can also massively contribute to nipple pain and nipple damage because when a baby takes in a large mouthful of breast tissue and they are they have their lips on the breast or on the areola and as they're sucking and as they're latching on they're drawing that nipple back in their mouth what actually happens is that they draw that nipple back to the junction of their soft and hard palate in their mouth now i know this is getting very technical but what that means is that that's often a lot more comfortable and there's a lot less friction on the nipple plus we can create that better vacuum at the breast so getting a wide mouthful of breast tissue into baby's mouth is important. How do we do that is often looking at baby's position and triggering their reflexes. So making sure that baby is able to tip their head back a little. Often what we end up doing is bringing baby up a little bit too high. And this is tricky to explain in a podcast. I do explain this in my online breastfeeding and postpartum course, but it's a bit tricky to explain without actually showing you. But think about when you take a sip from a glass of water, you tilt your head back a little, right? And if you had to keep your chin down towards your chest, you wouldn't be able to swallow the water very well. And babies are the same. So I'm often saying to my clients to wriggle their baby a little towards their feet, just so they can elongate their head back a little bit. I'm realizing as I'm recording this that I'm doing all of these motions and hand actions, but that's obviously not coming across to you guys. But um, yeah, hopefully that is making sense with how I am describing it. We also want to make sure baby that is uh, baby's chest to chest with you. So they're not um, rolled out. They don't have their neck in an awkward position. And we also want to make sure that we are bringing baby onto the breast, not trying to shove the nipple into their mouth because that's not going to result in optimal attachment as well. Uh, there's some other things absolutely which can help with attachment like reclining backwards and lots of other things that I go into in my one-on-one work with clients, but also in the online course that I mentioned before. 
Something I do also just want to mention on this because I still hear it a little bit is that both baby's upper lip and lower lip need to be flanged out at the breast. So what we used to think is that that was the case and we still call it special K lips. You know, on a, on a packet of special K cereal, how the K is kind of that big shape. And so what we used to look for in a baby feeding well at the breast is that their bottom lip was really well flanged out and their top lip. However, some more recent research, um, we've had some really great Australian research come out using ultrasound while babies are breastfeeding to look at what their tongue function is doing and their oral function, all of these things, which is great. Um, but what is being found in the newer research is that, yes, we do want their bottom lip to flange outwards, but their top lip doesn't need to. We do want it to be in a neutral position at the breast or slightly flanged out, but it doesn't need to be in that exaggerated flanged out position. So that's a little bit of a myth with breastfeeding now. Um, it shouldn't be rolled in. So yes, we do look at the top lip when a baby's breastfeeding, but uh, what we think now in the research is that that top lip actually has much less impact on how a baby feeds at the breast than we originally thought. And it really needs to sit in a neutral position to be able to create that vacuum and that seal. The next tip, tip number four, is to feed your baby on demand. The amount of times that people will say to me, when do I put my baby in a routine? How often do I feed them? It's a really common question. And the reality is that I will always tell people to watch their baby. So when your baby seems like they're hungry, put them to the breast. We cannot overfeed a breastfed baby. And especially when we're building your milk supply, and you're starting to breastfeed and you and your baby are working it out, feeding them when they're showing hunger cues, showing signs that they need to feed is one of the best things that we can do. Now, I will say that sometimes we need to have babies on a feeding schedule or a feeding limit, maybe if they're premature or something like that. So yes, sometimes we don't feed them on demand, but what I recommend for most of my clients is to feed their baby on demand. And what that essentially means, like I said, is feeding when they look like they're hungry. Now, most babies will feed a minimum of eight to 12 times in 24 hours. Some babies will even feed up to 15 times, and that can be quite normal. I know that sounds like a lot. I know it's challenging. It absolutely is challenging, uh, but it is biologically normal. And often we try I think as a society, we maybe look for problems that aren't there and a baby feeding frequently, especially if it's in that realm and they're gaining weight well and they're satisfied after feeds and all of that kind of thing, um, they're really reassuring signs that we look for in, in how a baby is, is feeding and also, of course, then their output as well. So feeding baby on demand is important. Sometimes people say to me, well, when do I stop doing that? And that's a personal preference. But really at any point, if we do try and push out feed, so we stop feeding on demand, we maybe try and hold baby off a little bit, then we know that that can actually have a detrimental impact on milk supply. Now it's not always going to, I don't say that to scare you, but you don't actually have to routine feed your baby. You can keep feeding on demand. That's what a lot of mums will do. And what you will probably find is your baby will naturally fall into their own rhythm anyway way. But sometimes when we start trying to push their feeds out or get them into a certain sleep routine or things like that, that can actually negatively impact milk supply for someone, especially if they have a, um, a touchy milk supply to start with. And I've actually had a lot of clients who I've had to uh, work with who've then 
uh, implemented something like that, maybe a feeding or a sleep routine or something like that, and then their supplies really plummeted and we've had to work at building that back up. So that's, yeah, another thing with demand feeding is is you can keep demand feeding. Um, you don't have to move to routine-based. Like I said, I know demand feeding doesn't work for all families, and, of course, when I'm working one-on-one with clients, I'll always discuss all of the different options. But for a lot of people, it can be great, and especially in those first few weeks when your supply is building and your supply is um, not at that point, usually by about six to eight weeks, your supply will start to regulate. So especially in that time, we want to make sure that we're feeding baby on demand so that your body gets the message to make the exact amount of milk that your baby needs. Also know that even though I said it's average for babies to feed eight to 12 times in 24 hours, they're probably not going to feed every two hours or every three hours. It's probably going to look like maybe some feeds that are closer together. And that's what we call cluster feeding, maybe with very small gaps in between. And then maybe some longer stretches. And that's also totally normal. Remember that your breasts are never completely empty of breast milk. So there's always something there, even if a baby hasn't fed that long ago. So then tip number five, the very final tip for this episode is to seek help early. If you had a injury, you would probably see a physio or you'd go to your GP to get an ultrasound or an x-ray, right? Or if you had an infection, you would go and talk to your care provider about antibiotics or different medications or your different options, right? You'd seek out that professional support. Yet when it comes to breastfeeding, I think often we just keep pushing on and thinking, oh, it'll get better. It'll get better. I'll just keep waiting. Um, Often people don't know where to go to get that support as well. And I absolutely acknowledge that that can be a challenge. Often um, breastfeeding clinics and lactation consultants can have a two or three week wait before they're able to see people for an appointment, which is a really long time if you are struggling with breastfeeding challenges. So what I would encourage you to do is seek out that help early. Even if you think that things are going pretty well, but you've got a few questions or a few concerns, then please seek out the help from a midwife who is really passionate about breastfeeding or has done extra training in breastfeeding or a lactation consultant. And find the person that you click with. All midwives or lactation consultants are different. Um, Although our sort of certification process is similar and we all uh, sit an exam to become an IBCLC, our backgrounds and our training and our approach is all very different. So find someone that you click with, absolutely. But don't hesitate to seek out that support because it is so important and there's so much we can do to help you. I've seen so many mamas who are six or eight weeks down the track postpartum after their baby's born and they're struggling with something that we probably could have fixed in that first week or so. This is one of the reasons why myself and the amazing team of midwives that work with me, why we provide postnatal packages and continuity of care over that first six weeks postnatal because we know how important timely breastfeeding support is, uh, also education in the lead up to birth um, and having that trusted person that you can build that relationship with afterwards. But if you're not currently working with us on one of the postnatal packages, then please just seek out that support early if you are having breastfeeding challenges because as I said often we can fix the issue um, or make it a lot better or um, also the other thing that sometimes happens is that an issue the longer we leave it sometimes it does get to a point where it's then really hard to come back from and it may have been easier had we got onto that a little bit earlier so in pregnancy maybe explore your options see what is available. Um, I'll pop the link in the show notes to our postnatal packages, especially if you are based in Adelaide. We would love to support you on your journey um, and just set yourself up for success while, while you're still pregnant. 
So I hope you have enjoyed today's episode. This is some of the top things that I chat to with my clients around breastfeeding, and I really hope it has helped you on your journey. Remember that breastfeeding challenges are quite common, but most women can successfully breastfeed their babies. And by taking a few steps and seeking out that really good support, you can really put yourself in the best position to have a successful breastfeeding journey. So as always, let me know your thoughts on social media. Feel free to send me an email if you have any topics you'd love me to cover on the podcast. This was a topic that was requested by quite a few people. Um, And I know breastfeeding can be challenging. And I know that listening to podcasts in the postpartum period uh, is often much easier than reading and Googling. So I really hope that this is able to help a lot of you, um, even if your baby is already here and you're in that postnatal journey. My email is hello at Hannah Will more and it is in the show notes as well so if you have any ideas for future episodes or things you'd love me to cover then feel free to flick me a message have a great day remember to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes and if you're enjoying the podcast i would be ever so grateful if you could rate and review on your favorite podcast player see you next week